0: This is episode 14 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today, we are looking at articles that deal with bugging out by car when it hits the fan, prepping and survival drills to run, and 10 items that sell out after a crisis. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. So let's go ahead and get started. Hey, I, I want to point out that yesterday for on episode thirteen, I did talk about uh, an article, how to buy, or and a video that I was mentioning, and I did find it. The video is is entitled "Track Me If You Can." It's an older one, and it was Aton uh, e- Edwards, I guess, was in it. And so I did find it on BeSurvival.com. I did link to it on episode 13 in the mentioned in this episode. So you can go to it and link to it there. Um, I'm also doing something a little different today. I have a little bit of time kind of playing around with something. I, I use uh, an extension on Google Chrome called Screencastify where I can uh, grab my, my screen and do a screen capture at work. I pray for, pay for the premium um, you know, by myself so that I could I can use it. Uh, at work because I, I do need it and so i'm going to try to you know kind of do this uh with the uh the podcast in mind but also doing the screen capture and then i'm going to upload the screen capture to youtube and just kind of see what i do uh, out there um the only the only thing that i can think of that's going to be an issue is if i ever need to take a drink i can push pause on the recording for the podcast i can't really do that for the um for the screen capture so like when I need to take a drink or something like that but anyways uh, we're just gonna try that so let's go ahead and get started Um, the first article comes to us from Preppers Will Will. Um, the title of the article is bugging out by car when it hits the fan if disaster hits you must be ready to leave quickly without attracting unwanted attention bugging out by car is the number one and only choice for most preppers Even more, bugging out by car provides a certain safety from criminal elements. If you plan to do the same when disaster strikes, here's what you should do, or should know. First of all, I would like to make one thing clear. Bugging out by car is not a guarantee that you will safely reach your bug out location. There are many things to consider and you might have to abandon your car at some point. Even so, you should be able to travel much faster and further during a car than any other vehicle sorry further using a car than any other vehicle when your town is affected by an emergency may it be regional or national there are two things that will influence the success of your bug out journey first of all the nature and the effects of the crisis should dictate your course of action and second the time it takes you to put your bug out plan in motion as an example if a wildfire is developing in your area you should figure out how the situation is evolving are there are they able to keep it under control when was the initial outburst and how is the situation escalating? Is it heading your way? When the answer to one of the questions above threatens the safety of your family, it's time to act. Bugging out by car would be your only chance of escaping the incoming danger. However, you have to decide when to leave everything behind. Logic dictates that the sooner you do so, the better you will be. You will not have to deal with other panicked drivers and you will not be surprised by weather effects that can change the outcome of the disaster. High winds can cause the fire to spread faster and you might get trapped along the road. Bugging out by car requires for you to focus on both preparing your car and driving it to safety. There are a few things that would require your full attention. You shouldn't forget there are a few things that would require your full attention. Sorry, I can't read today I guess. You shouldn't forget to include them in your bug out plan. Bugging out by car, prepping your vehicle. Upkeep and inspection. Keeping your car in good shape shouldn't be done only for the end of the world, and it should be a general rule. You shouldn't do the yearly inspection just because your state regulations require you to do so. Do it because that car you drive daily keeps you safe and gets you back to your family. You don't have to be a mechanic to spot if something is wrong with your car. Bugging out by car requires for you to keep your vehicle in perfect working condition. Keeping a repair kit. When bugging out by car, try to remember to always keep a repair kit inside your vehicle. Don't take tools from the kit and forget to put them back. The complexity of the repair kit depends on your level of knowledge to do, some, to do simple or complicated repairs. It might not be the time to learn how to tear down an engine, but you should, be at least be able, you should at least be able to change a flat tire, check the oil, and add coolant. Keep an emergency survival kit. This kit is totally different from your bug-out bag, although it may contain similar items. When bugging out by car, the first supplies that should be consumed are the ones from your emergency car kit. Leave the items from your bug-out bag untouched. The type and number of supplies you should store in your car depends on your budget, family members, and level of expertise. Besides emergency provisions, you might want to to carry all important documents and valuables you own. Keep fuel in your garage. When you are bugging out by car, you should do so on a full tank. Chances are you might not be able to refuel on your way home or on your way out of the affected area. As a backup solution, always keep one or two fuel canisters in your garage. One should be taken with you on the road and one should be used to refuel your car. Keep things organized. Everything you take on the road with you should have its place in your car. Things should be organized for a faster and safer reach, no matter how much stuff you're carrying with you. Always know where certain items are located. This will help you pick the right tools or or gear for the job when you are required to do so. Bugging out by car requires a careful planning and organization of your supplies. Bugging out by car traveling tips to reach your BOL or bug out location. If your car is ready and you are on your way to safety, there are a few tips to keep in mind. Bugging out by car requires for you to do certain things to assure a safe travel. Forget the GPS. Many people will rely on this system to get out of Dodge. However, the GPS is designed to take you on the shortest route. This is not a good idea because that course could lead you back to the source of the problem or you can get in a traffic jam in no time. If you want to be sure you stay on the right path, ditch the GPS and consult a paper map. This also requires for you to know the neighborhood and trust your instinct. Okay, Just a little side note there. I I think you can use the GPS if you are able to um, you know, recalibrate as you're as you're going, if your GPS can do that, um, I know that my my phone can do that as I'm as I'm traveling. If I decide to go another street, it it will do it. Now I will tell you this because um, I use Google Maps when I'm doing that. Uh, a lot of the times, I think that I can go a faster route, and you know Google Maps is pretty accurate. So if everything is working everything is is on target and you know satellite is working and, and you know communications are still up um, you know that might give you accurate information about where things are and how long it'll get to, to get uh, somewhere because it, it is pretty accurate up on the top where it says uh, things to keep in your car your emergency kit I would also keep uh, a can of um, Uh, gosh inflate a tire or you know i I guess that's what it's called um so that if you're in a situation where you can't sit there and change your tire you can at least put something in there seal up uh seal up the the hole as much as possible if it's a small enough hole and then get to where you need to to get to i've had a little bit of experience with that and i might link to that article there uh uh, in this episode note uh, to talk about that one Okay, so keep, we're going to go ahead and keep going. Uh, keep everything locked up. When bugging out by car, your doors should be locked and windows rolled up. If you travel by night and you want to go unnoticed, the lights inside your vehicle should be turned off. If people see what you have inside, they might target you for your supplies. Things should be packed as you would go on a family vacation. It shouldn't look like the doomsday preppers are in town. Don't stop, just don't. By now, you should have an idea of the dangers the crisis is posing and the outcome it will bring. Don't stop for anything unless it's an emergency. You shouldn't stop for directions or to get food and drinks. There's no reason to stop if you have everything you need in your car. Just keep moving if you want to keep your advantage. Keep your eyes on the road. Bugging out by car requires for you to stay focused on your driving. You should suppress any distractions that may affect your driving abilities or judgment. Turn off the radio and keep the kids busy. Don't look around and keep your eyes on the road. Don't make eye contact with anyone you see. They are not your problem. If you need to gather information on how the situation is developing, one of your passengers should help you. He or she can listen to the radio using headphones and provide updates when necessary. Stay away from the herd. This means that you should drive on back streets, not main roads. You should avoid checkpoints, major intersections, and barricades. Avoid checkpoints at any cost if you want to keep driving. There's a, reason to, there's a reason you see highways packed with abandoned cars in disaster movies. It's called herd mentality and not taking the safer path. After Avoid getting trapped when bugging out by car. Avoid your vehicle if you must. Regardless how good of a driver you are and how well prepared your vehicle is, you should be prepared to abandon your car. As I said before, bugging out by car is no guarantee that you will not have to travel by foot. You might make mistakes, or things may develop in ways you cannot control. Regardless, the reason you should be prepared for this outcome. If, you're or, if you organize your supplies, you should be able to take only what you need. Your bob, w- without wasting time. Don't leave your car out in the open. When bugging out by car has a different outc- when bugging out by car has a different outcome, and you are forced to abandon your vehicle, think a step further. You might still have valuable supplies inside your car and it's no time for charity. Do everything possible to hide your car and the valuables inside it. Drive it off the road into vegetation and use a tarp to camouflage it. Put vegetation near and on top of your vehicle to blend it with the environment. You might want to get back for, get back for those supplies if the crisis develops even further. It would be a good backup plan to still find everything where you left it. As you can see, bugging out by car means more than just just stuffing your car with survival supplies. It requires proper planning and organization, but also the right driving etiquette. If your emergency escape includes a bugging out by car scenario, make sure you have all the above covered. Hey, one more thing I want to add to this: uh, I did have a guest post on my personal preparedness website, Ed That Matters, um, a gentleman who did some some math and uh, some math and you know using time and all that kind of stuff about bugging out and uh, i think that's very helpful i don't know don't remember all the specifics about it but i would um i would go ahead and uh touch base with that one and um look at that one sorry i had a pop up on my on my screen i wasn't sure how that got there i might have just clicked on something all right let's go ahead and go on to the next one um this comes to us from uh, oh, and let me just say, at Preppers' well, there's uh, article links in here. Uh, there's art, let's see, there was article links. I might be, yeah. There's article links in here. You definitely want to come visit these. You you want to visit all the websites that I'm linking to. They uh, and I'm reading their articles. Um, and so definitely uh, visit them. You can link to it through uh, the Prepper Website Podcast.com in the episode show notes. Alright, this one is coming to us from ModernSurvivalOnline.com and the title of this one is Prepping and Survival Drills to Run. And this one is a little long, um, but let's go ahead and get started on this one. Some good information. If If there is one theme that I preach repeatedly for survival situations, it is to practice before your life depends upon your skills. So many survivalists pour through books, videos, and television shows learning every little trick in the book. However, too many people stop there. I cannot count how many times I expected a survival technique to be simple, yet it turned out to be nearly impossible. More importantly, I like to focus on time-sensitive situations that would really create natural pressure. In this article, I will cover situations you need to practice, both alone and with your family. Bugging in First, we can look at bugging in situations. When you make the decision to lock down, there is an order of tasks to complete and a small amount of time to get them completed. This is a family ordeal unless you live alone, so sit down with a pen and paper and get your family involved. When the bug and decision is made, somebody needs to do inventory to secure the property, to gather or run out of, for supplies, and to get weapons ready for defense. Obviously, you do not want small children loading guns, but you also want to assign the most difficult tasks to the most experienced and physically able members of your family. A person with a bum knee would be ideal to board up windows, or gather weapons. Somebody with a good feel for the time frame of the emergency should be the one handling inventory or rounding up supplies. Make make these decisions in advance and do a few trial runs to ensure everyone knows their role. Time how long it takes to get locked down. Step one, plan out assignments for each person. Inventory, supply run, windows, perimeter, pets, and small children weapons. Step two, Use a timer to see how long it takes to safely complete all tasks. Take notes as you, go on a, on, as you go on anybody that looks lost or confused. Step 3. Assess the completion of the task. Is your property secure? Do you have the needed supplies? Is everybody inside and locked down? Step 4. Make changes to your assignments or provide additional guidance. Run the drill again to see if the time or completion improves. Bugging out. The opposite of this situation would be preparing to bug out. Again, you have a small amount of time to get everybody prepared and moving in the right direction. Make sure all bug out bags are packed and in a common location by the door. If you have pets or small children, assign somebody to get them together. If there's food or water to take, make sure everybody gets into your bags, gets it into your bags. Finally, make sure everybody knows and practices leaving on foot or by vehicle. Drill who will be leading who will be navigating, and who will be keeping an eye out for threats. Time how long it takes to get from your home to a safe place. Step 1. Gather everybody and assign tasks. Gathering small children and pets, collecting weapons, food, and water, a last-second inventory, ensuring everybody has their bob, locking down the house as you leave, checking vehicle for fluids. Step 2. Assign roles for travel, lead hiker driver, navigation, lookout, kids, and pets duty. Step 3. Run the drill with a timer and first see how long it takes you to get out of your home and safely away from the property. Take notes as you go. This drill will feel rushed so the notes are vital. Step 4. Take the drill a step further and give your family some distance to cover. Go on foot for a few miles or take your vehicle during a time of bad traffic. Step 5. Assess the completion of the task. Did your family forget to bring anything vital? Is everybody accounted for? Did the property get locked down so looters can't get it? How long did it take you to get to safety? Step 6. Make changes and run it again. Try to improve the time it takes you to get to, get to safety. Gathering the family. A scenario that could relate to either bugging in or bugging out is moving each family member to the same location. For most families, daytime disasters can result in both parents being, a different, being at different workplaces and all the kids being at different schools. Designate and practice one parent or driving teen to pick up each child and move them away from congested locations like schools and daycares. Pick a public rendezvous rendez- 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 point where traffic will not be an issue and practice getting the whole family together during rush hour. Mark a paper map with shortcuts that can shave minutes off your drive time. Step 1. Create a plan. Assign each person that can drive a family member that cannot. Get out a paper map and plot the locations of each person. Then figure out where to meet. Step two. Time how long it takes to get each member of the family away from congested areas. Each person needs to be at least a mile from any school, daycares, shopping centers, or large office buildings. Step three. Time how long it takes to get the whole family together at the rendezvous point. Step four. Time how long it takes to get everybody from that point to your home or other secure location. Step 5. Adjust your strategy to to try to get everybody reaching the rendezvous point at the same time. This may mean moving the location to accommodate those that travel slower. You can step up the difficulty by running the drill during rush hour or after a sporting event lets out. House fires. Another drill to run in your home is evacuating during a house fire. Your workplace probably has an evacuation plan, but what if an electrical fire breaks out at home in the middle of the night? Sit down with your family and designate who will gather small children and pets. Assign one person to make sure they grab their cell phones and have them call 911 as soon as they have left the building. Ensure everybody knows where fire extinguishers are located, but designate one adult to decide whether to try and fight the flames or just just bail and wait for help. Again, practice this drill several times by setting a loud alarm to go off in the middle of the night. Step 1. Sit down with the family and assign tasks to each person, gathering small children and pets, grabbing a cell to call 911, ensuring everybody made it outside, deciding whether to use a fire extinguisher or not. Step 2. Tell your family that the drill starts when a loud alarm clock goes off in the hallway, but do not tell them what time it will go off. Try to pick times that would catch them off guard, middle of the night or in the morning when getting ready for the day. Step 3. Run the drill and take notes as you, as you go. Use a timer to see how long it takes to get everybody to safety and how long it takes to get the extinguisher and get back to the fire. Step five, make Step 4. Make adjustments and run it again. You should be able to get the whole family out of the house in less than two minutes with practice. To step up the difficulty, cut the power so the drill must be done in complete darkness. Flooding. Another common household disaster is flooding. As you practice this situation, you will have to decide if wind damage will be a concern. When flooding is related to hurricanes, you will also need to board up windows and secure the exterior. Cell phones would likely be down, so practice alternative communication methods. Ensure everybody in the family knows to focus their efforts on the lowest spot in the house designate one person to cut power to areas that will have standing water have a designated place to which you can move furniture and make sure anybody physically able can help with the effort have a cache of dry clothes and blankets and verify that everybody knows where they are if safety gets to be an issue have a higher ground area for everybody to meet and wait for help step one Gather everybody to assign tasks and to designate an area for furniture. Also designate a safe area of higher ground to move it to if safety is an issue. Step 2. Practice moving the most valuable items to your designated area with a timer. Make sure somebody cuts the power first. Step 3. Douse each one, I'm sorry, douse each other with cold water and then scramble to get to your high ground area and change into dry clothes may want to do this one one on a hot day. Riots. Riots survival is another good drill to practice with your family. If you are in a crowd and disaster strikes, your family needs to know how to act. The next time you are at a sporting event or concert, have your family pretend that the crowd has gotten hostile. Teach them to walk diagonally across the crowd with arms locked, but never against the crowd. Show them how to be a gray man and blend in while avoiding eye contact and confrontation. Show them the back alleys and shortcuts that will get you all to safety. Step one, run through a list of do's and don'ts for moving through a riot. Make sure everybody understands the danger. Step two, find a crowded place. Lock arms in time how long it takes you to get safely out of the crowd. If you notice anybody talking to people in the crowd, making eye contact or moving against the flow of people, then make everybody start over. Step 3. Review with everybody the things they did right and wrong. Run it again to improve your time. Emergency Shelters Building a shelter quickly can absolutely save your life if you are stuck in the wild. Show your family how to build a a lean-to or debris shelter with only natural materials. Time this drill and then show them how much faster you can build a shelter with a tarp or emergency blanket. If you live in an area with lots of snow, show them how to build a snow cave. If you live in the tropics, Show them how to make a raised platform. Ensure everybody participates. Step 1. Show everybody how to make a simple shelter with natural materials. Step 2. Tear it down and make them build one without your help. Time how long it takes. Step 3. Build a shelter with a tarp or emergency blanket and show them the time difference. Step 4. Take it down and make them build one. Step 5. Make suggestions and run it again to improve your time. Fire building. Building a fire is another practice that can save your life, and it can be tougher than you would think. These drills should be done in stages. First show them how much tinder, kindling, and fuel they need to gather and how to build a fire with a lighter or matches. Then increase the difficulty by showing them the use of a ferro rod or bow drill. Teach them what kind of wood is needed for friction fire, to really sink in the emergency time, then on building a fire in the rain or snow. Step one, show everybody how to build a friction fire, a fire with a ferro rod, and a fire with a lighter. Make them build. Step two, make them build a lighter fire without your help and time them. Step three, make them build a ferro rod fire with, without your help and time them. Step four, make them build a friction fire without your help and time them. Step five, make them build any kind of fire in the rain or snow and time them. Step 6. Give them feedback and run it again to improve the times focusing on the ones that were most difficult. First aid. Related to building a fire, showing your family how to help somebody that has fallen through the ice is very important. You need to first explain to never risk their own safety to get somebody out of the water, but instead to extend a rope or pole to them. The remainder of the drill is all about speed. You only have a few minutes to dry off and warm up, so hammer this home. Have somebody building a fire while somebody else rolls the victim in snow to dry them off. Get their clothes stripped off and practice using body heat in a sleeping bag. Finally get water boiling to warm them up from the inside. Step 1. Wait until there is snow on the ground and mark a big circle or rectangle to represent ice. Step 2. Put one person in the center and have your family rescue them without crossing onto the ice themselves. Step 3. Have one person build a fire while everybody else helps to pretend to dry off the victim and use body heat to warm them. There are a few other first aid techniques that should be drilled with the whole family. CPR and mouth-to-mouth are two that everybody should know and practice. Helping a choking victim is another important drill. In fact, I actually saved my wife from choking just a few years ago. Stopping the bleeding on severe cuts is very important. Emphasize pressure elevation and tourniquets only as a last measure. Teach how to build makeshift crutches or a splint for an arm or a leg. You never know when the family member with the most medical training might be unconscious and needing help, so teach everybody these tactics. Step 1. Designate one person to be the victim and tell them what their ailment is, but do not tell anybody else. Step 2. Have the rest of the family diagnose the issue by communicating with the victim. You can add visible symptoms as, as well if appropriate. Step 3. Have them treat the victim using life-saving first aid methods. Water purification. If severely dehydrated, the time it takes you to purify water might be vital. I suggest drilling your family on purifying water by building a fire, building a filter, digging a proximity well, and purifying in sunlight. It would also be smart to practice rainwater catch, catches and solar stills. Time each method to show them which option will help save them the fastest. Step 1. Train everybody on how to most quickly purify water. Step 2. Supply them with natural materials and have them decide the quickest option. Time them on how long it takes and note how effective they are. Step 3. Give them a different set of materials and see if they change their mind. Step 4. Discuss and repeat to improve times. Predators. Finally, how to react to large predators should be discussed and practiced. Many people make the incorrect decision to run when they feel threatened. Pretend to be different species of predators and see how they react. If they are not in immediate danger, have them practice building a fire inside a boma and have them sharpen spears. Show them that being proactive is often more effective than waiting to be attacked. Okay, I don't know what that boma is. I've never heard that one before. I don't know if it's a misspelling or not, but... Uh, Anyway, step one, treat this like charades and pretend to be an animal coming around the corner in close proximity to them. Step two, see how they react based on the type of animal you are and either attack or walk away depending on how they respond. Step three, if they respond correctly, ask them to then build a camp for the night that would protect them from this type of animal. If they get it wrong, explain why and do it again with a different type of animal. It is easy to fall into the habit of explaining or displaying these skills rather than drilling them. This is a mistake. Everybody that is able should be required to physically participate in the drills. Just watching or listening is not enough. It is likely that you will know much more than the rest of your family on these subjects, so it may get frustrating to watch them fumble around. Remember that you were once a novice and in some cases may still be a novice. Have patience and make sure each person is able to struggle their way to a solution. It will make for a much more memorable lesson. The only thing that I would add here, um, in there's a you know there's a lot of links here on different items that you can look at, and um, well not a lot of links but links to items. Uh, the only thing that I would add here is you want to teach especially when you're talking about um, like maybe like your wife or your kids. You want to help them learn how to problem solve. And so not just drilling and, and doing that, but what if they're in a situation where they have drilled it and they know how to do it, but just nothing is working right, like problem solving, what would you do? What would be the next best thing? So there's that, that, um, that drill, I guess if you want to call it that, is uh, you take someone through a scenario and then you say, okay, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And so they're always having to, um, um, you know, make changes and, and problem solve. And that's, that's probably the most important thing is being able to problem solve and being able to come up with solutions, even when everything's not working right, because there, you know, it's just, it's Murphy's Law, whatever you want to call it, that in the middle of a situation that the worst that could possibly happen is going to happen, and so you need to be ready for that. So, all right, so go check out Modern Survival online and Prepping and Survival Drills to Run. All right, we're going to go ahead and get to our last article. This is the prepper from the com, and it's 10 items that sell out after a crisis. And I have a lot of... Uh, Familiarity with some of these things that he's talking about here Uh, just because I live in in Houston and hurricanes and all of that. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. It could be your worst nightmare. A disaster happens and for some reason you aren't prepared at all. In a panic, you drive to the local store only to rush through the front doors and see row upon row of empty shelves. The survival items you need are gone. Already picked over with nothing left except items of no practical use to you like cake decorating, icing, and gift cards. (laughs) Scenes like this happen all the time to people all over the world, but as preppers, your job is to make sure it doesn't happen to you. Your family should be preparing well in advance of any potential disaster, and we have many posts that outline simple steps you can take now to be more prepared in the future. But let's just play along with the scenario above. If you had only one chance to make it to the store, what items would disappear first? If you were in a race with your neighbors to get anything you could before the stock was gone, which items would you need to throw into your shopping basket? Items that sell out after a crisis. In a lot of ways, the crisis will dictate to some degree which items sell fastest. But we can imagine that in every crisis, power will be off. This fact dictates most of what would appear in the list below. I want to go over each item and give my reasoning for why you should have these items now, or in some cases, why you can have... have on hand and as an alternative so that you aren't that guy staring at an empty store wondering how you can use shoelaces in a survival situation. Okay, so uh, here are the items. Generators. A backup source of power is not something most of us think about, before we prepped anyway, until we hear that eerie sound of silence when every electric device connected to the wall goes dead. In my house, I have... Backup batteries on my computer so as soon as the lights go out, the fridge stops running and any ancillary devices stop, I begin to hear an annoying beep. That beep is telling me I only have about 10 minutes before my computer shuts off to save any work. But it also signals that we are no longer connected to the power grid in a meaningful way. Generator cells always peak after a disaster and I have heard stories of people fighting in parking lots over them. The day the hurricane rolls into your town is not the day to try to go to the big home improvement store and get a generator because it is likely too late. If you think you need backup power for emergencies set aside time and budget now to get a model that will work for you. Most generators will not power your entire home but a decent sized portable generator can power several lights, charge devices, or, or one to two small appliances. These are great for just the essentials to keep you going But you should ensure you have plenty of fuel on hand, also. Okay, so just the um, um, from experience, talking here, uh, when we had Hurricane, I believe it was Ike, um, you know, of course, all the you know everybody ran out of generators, and I know I was with my father-in-law, and they were trying to help. We were trying to help someone get a a generator, and there was a guy in a big 18-wheeler tractor trailer um selling generators out of it and you kind of always wonder hey you know um are these legit or not but um he was out in the middle of i-10 the big freeway and we stopped and he was selling them and they, they looked they looked decent i think they were a, a decent brand so we went ahead and bought one he was only dealing in cash right so um no if you get to a situation like that you you better be dealing with cash so I don't know if this guy had like a stock of generators or if he just came where he came from, but uh, apparently he was ready to go. Uh, so he, you know, brought a tractor trailer down with it with the uh, wherever he came from, with a bunch of generators, was selling them on the side. He was doing a pretty good little business, um, but again, all, all cash. So know that that's going to to happen. I think that probably happened in Houston because he knows. That Houston is a a big metroplex. There's a lot of people. If you're like in a small town, that might not happen. So people might not be bringing a truckload of generators in. All right, so let's go ahead and keep going. Uh, Alternative. In lieu of a generator, you can use a power inverter in your car's engine to do the same thing. You may even use less fuel and will certainly cause less noise. Extension cords. So you have a fancy generator running outside but you need to connect your devices to it. Extension cords are always in short supply after a disaster because people forget they need to get power to the other end of their home or across the street to a neighbor's house. A few 50 to 100 feet medium duty extension cords will help you bring the power into areas and away from the noise to the generators. Uh, I will add also a a strip, an electrical strip so that you can have multiple plugs. Alright, next uh, item, weather radios. Uh, when the TV is out and so is the internet, people naturally revert to the good old radio for information, entertainment, and comfort. A weather radio is usually purchased because most like the uh, Eaton FRX3 hand crank, NOAA AM FM weather alert radio, that's a good one, I have that one, have a crank that you can use to power the unit instead of batteries. This will ensure you can listen to local broadcast or even emergency weather alerts without the need for power. Well, you supply the power. Well, I the one that I have, there's some that have, uh, it has it all, right? You can do batteries, you can do rechargeable batteries, and then you can do the crank. All right, so continuing on, batteries. Speaking of batteries, it's good to do two things ahead of any disaster. First, standard, standardize on a common battery size now. I prefer double A's for most of my devices that take batteries. My radios, headlamps, flashlights all use double a. The second thing is to have plenty of batteries on hand before you need them. I have purchased a couple of the 48 packs of batteries and stored them away for emergencies. These are not kept with the battery supply that is dipped into for game controllers and toys for visiting children. Alternative, use rechargeable batteries and a solar charger to keep your supply fresh. Even the best batteries will die eventually so rechargeables are a longer running option. You know, for the, the the kids in using the uh, the controllers, just get some rechargeables, just get some inner, inner loop uh, batteries and they just work, they work great on that. And then have it out like on the kitchen counter where the kids just go and replace them and get them themselves. All right, continuing on, candles. Candles are a grid down staple that can be used for other things besides light. You can heat a room or cook with them if you have the right setup. They aren't a perfect solution because I would still rather have a headlamp than a candle, especially to prevent fires, but they do have their place. Funny, if you watch The Walking Dead apparently, they each have about 10 dozen with them at all times. Candles are your backups' backups, backup. Industrial Fans When the power goes out, a fan can be one of those conveniences that saves a lot of time and trouble besides just bringing a breeze. After Hurricane Katrina and Sandy, industrial fans were used to dry out carpet before mold set in. In the summertime, they could cool a decent sized room too and keep things from overheating. Now, you are going to have to justify using the gas you have stored for a fan, but in some cases, these are sold out quickly. I can imagine how nice they would be in a hot Florida or Mississippi August. Gasoline cans. And I would just second this uh, on the gasoline cans and then gas. Uh, What are you going to carry that gas in that you are standing in line for hours to get? Along with decreased or non-existent fuel supplies, having an appropriate container for transport is often overlooked. Your car is out of gas or more likely you don't want to use gas to get to the store, so you will need several fuel cans to cart any fuel you can obtain. Additionally, a yard wagon to haul four of these or more at a time, provided rationing will allow it, might be a good idea also. And again, i 'm just going to stress, fill your gas tank up that's twenty to thirty gallons right there that and have a siphon of some sort that you can get to so um, way before way before the hurricane hits or way way before whatever the snowstorm comes in, whatever, you fill up you know top it off, and you've got twenty or thirty gallons there, and then if you need to siphon it off, you, you've got that all right, flashlights and lanterns most home, most home. Homes, I think it was most homes have some version of a flashlight around for emergencies my dad had several strategic just (laughs) I I can talk I promise you my dad has several strategically placed at my home growing up and I have followed suit to a large degree you never realize just how many flashlights you need when the power goes out and it's pitch black I would add a decent headlight Handla- headlamp to this list for everyone in the family because I think they are superior for working hands-free. Lanterns are great for powering a room like the kitchen when we all sit down to a nice meal of freshly grilled venison steaks that were going to go bad in the freezer. We can use the lantern to have enough light to see each other and eat with and not spend the batteries and other devices. I have a couple of battery-powered lanterns like Little to no heat and zero risk of fire. And several Coleman propane lanterns for outdoor use for wintertime. Controlled usage. The heat of of these is great in winter and you can cook on the tops too if you are desperate. Non-perishable food water. Uh, Now the most obvious item that sells out after a crisis and that is food. I didn't want to create a list of 10 food items but let's just say that you know food disappears when panic sets in. You know your family is partial to eating food because they do it every single day. You know that when the power goes goes out your options for cooking that food will be a little bit different. So take time now to stock up on canned food items that your family can eat either by heating over a camp stove or grill or even a fire. There are a ton of options that you don't even have to cook. Have plenty of these on hand to feed your family because the stores will run out if this is really a disaster. Even if they get things running in three days, do you want your family to go out with, go without that long? Take steps now. This list is just 10 items that sell out in a crisis, but they are by no means the only things that disappear off shelves that we might wish we had. What is on your list of prepping items to make sure you have before it's too late? So, uh, good article just th- to be thinking about. We should have these things here. Um, some of these things, definitely. You know, some generators. They're not very expensive. And one of the things is, you know, when there is a big, like, for instance, in Houston, when we had the big... Um, you know storm or whatever people go out and get generators and then afterwards they're in their garage they sell them for pretty cheap or they run them a couple of times they never change the oil they never do anything like that and so they might not start up very easy so they sell them for for very cheap so you can buy them and do a little bit of work on them and then have a viable solution there and so something something to think about so um, a lot of links here at uh, the Prepper, prepper journal so go check those out uh, and like I said, go check out all the other um, websites as well. And again, I, I I am I did link to that one. I want to remind you of that article: how to disappear and live under the radar uh, at Be Survival. That's going to be on episode 13, uh, and not necessarily on episode 14. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and link it on episode 14 as well. So there'll be a couple of articles on episode 14 um, that you'll you'll want to check out. All right. So that's it for this episode with all the uh, fumbling and the, the talking and all that kind of stuff. I know I'll, I'll get there uh, eventually one day. So uh, thanks a lot again for, for listening and being a part of the Prepper Website Podcast. Um, thank you for all of those that are sharing out the, the, the podcast with friends and on social media. I really do appreciate it. If you haven't done that, if you'd like to do it, it really helps out the podcast a lot. Uh, I've made it pretty easy for you. So if you go to the website, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, there are you know, ways that you can share that out to social media. And, uh, you know, again, really appreciate that. And then also word of mouth is a big deal. And if you're telling somebody word of mouth that, Um, you know there's a podcast out there that you're listening to and that's a pretty big you know that's a pretty big endorsement and I really do appreciate that and so if you get a chance come by the website drop me a line hit me up on social media I'm on Facebook Twitter Instagram all those good ones and uh, you know just tell me if you're enjoying the the podcast or not just say hi let me know where you're coming from you know I always appreciate hearing from listeners and people who are coming to prepperwebsite.com so we will be back tomorrow again uh, to finish off the week. Can't believe it's already going to be three weeks worth, 15 episodes of uh, the Prepper Website Podcast. But uh, don't forget, if you are looking for other preparedness info, uh, information or articles, we have a ton of articles. I'm only uh, you know touching the surface of the articles that we post on PrepperWebsite.com every day on the podcast. So go check out PrepperWebsite.com and check out the other articles that are out there. And, um, you know, get your fill of preparedness information. So until tomorrow, until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.